Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. He's dynamic. Oh, boy. He's dramatic. <laughs> He's the big dog. Dex Dog Detective is back in the house. That always runs to the rescue. I still got it. Charlie Sheen is Dex. When in doubt, just do the right thing. With Hillary Duff. Listen, tough guy. Doesn't mean that I couldn't kick your butt. Eva Longoria. I've got a hot case for you. Wayne Brady. I'm your best friend, Daredevil Dan. And Christopher Lloyd. Somebody order I recall. The Super Slick. Got milk? Do I look like the Dairy Queen to you? Super Slew. Clean up on aisle one. Is about to tackle. Yo, Dex. They're building an entire army. His biggest case ever. Let's get him. I do have an idea. It's Hello, ladies and gentlemen of Patreon and the wider worst idea of all time community. I have barely in my life been more excited to talk about a movie with my man, Guy the Flash Montgomery, than I am today. Guy, what's up, man? How's your head? Uh, it's all right, thanks, Tim. I've just finished watching the 2012 uh, animated adventure fantasy film Food Fight, starring the vocal talents of Charlie Sheen, Eva Longoria, Hilary Duff, and more. And uh, <laughs> it's really hard to find an entry point in talking about this. I suppose yeah. the the broad overview of the plot might be mm-hmm. a good place to start. And uh, here, yeah, it's Tim- tricky. Because there's a, there's a lot of different places where we could start with this. We could go. What, what's the story that we're dealing with here? Um, I think it would be equally apt to start with the visual pre- presentation of this nightmare, <laughs> or like the background production of it. So um, I, I, I'm going to follow your heart. Let's talk about the story that they've tried to tell in this. So do you want to try and explain what the fuck we just saw? Pretty please. Uh, gladly. I also. So the the basic plot, as I understand it, was uh, there's a a town or some sort of city or community. Where are we? Let's start with that guy. Where are we? <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure I saw the Chrysler building in the background of a few frames. So potentially New York. I we, I feel like we're in. It's almost like Las Vegas, and that they've sort of handpicked various different land landmarks and uh, you know architectural styles and cultural uh, flavors and sort of put them all in one place um what if i what if i told you we were inside of a supermarket the whole time well i uh i can believe that i I kind of thought that might be the case and they didn't make that immediately clear they only sort of introduced that halfway through when we start dealing with humans and the Mm. humans are all giants and the characters who we've been dealing with are, are very very small very micro uh this movie was made in 2012, released in 2013. And to be honest, by the end of it, I thought it was, I thought the first time I saw the lead, who Charlie Sheen voiced as a character called uh, Dex Dog Detective, who's some sort of dog detective. He's like the, the sheriff of the supermarket almost. He, he maintains the peace and sort of stops any bad guys. He's a cover all, there's no police force in the town inside of the supermarket. He's sort of the, the alpha and omega. Uh, and he appears to, I mean, uh, <laughs> you're fucking, I can hear your brain trying to figure this out. 
he's well I, I, what I was going to say before is that this movie was made halfway between the movie Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and the TV show Bojack Horseman and uh, I, I might be you know taking three separate and unrelated pieces of information and taping them all together here but uh, this is an ex- like it, it's trapped between both of those uh, creations we'll, we'll get to that guy in a little bit um, because what you said is not entirely correct that it was made the year before it came out in fact it's far from true but we'll get into the production stuff later because I am so excited to reveal certain aspects of how this got made to you. But first of all, let's stay in the story. We open up with uh, Charlie Sheen, the dog detective named Dex. He is proposing to his girlfriend. By the way, he's anthropomorphized. He, is that how you say that word? I think it is. I might have yeah. added an extra syllable. He's on two legs. He's a biped, dressed head to toe like, a, um, like an old school detective. Yeah, and then he's got his lady love, who is voiced by Hilary Duff, who is a um. If you're familiar with the concept of uncanny valley, it's something where something looks human enough to kind of you start registering it as human, but different enough to kind of terrify you, and that's what they've done with her character model. So she's a cat walking around on two legs with a very human female sexy form, but like with a cat face just enough to kind of give you a nightmare about it. And so he has coaxed his friend, who is voiced by Wayne Brady, which is the squirrel that is a stunt pilot, to draw a picture in the sky uh, of the two of them um, inside of a love heart. And then he's supposed to do a loop-the-loop to draw the final little piece on it, which is the engagement ring. And he's never made this maneuver before. He crashes the plane and Hilary Duff's cat character gets concerned and has to run and check on him. Now, that is about where it stops making any sense uh, <laughs> for my money whatsoever. And even At by that, that point, point we, it's yeah. still not making a lot of sense. We've established no. that the rules of gravity almost apply in this town. Uh, yeah. We know that Daredevil Dan, voiced by Wayne Brady, uh, you know, while he is incapable of executing the loop-de-loop maneuver, he's also not at risk of dying by crashing his aeroplane from extraordinary heights. Well, that's the thing, because they introduce his character in that situation like there's massive stakes, like he's going to die, and then he does crash, but he doesn't, he's fine, because it's like cartoon physics apply sometimes in this film, but not in other times. (coughs) So it's pretty wild. So... I, don't, I can't even remember exactly what the next thing is, but she ends up getting kidnapped, the no, Hilary Duff cat character, whose name what, I forget. She's called Sunshine. Sunshine, of course. Of course. Because Dick's dog, Tech, keeps firing off these sort of, like, almost film noir. M- misnomer idioms and, like, film noir oh, terms right. of phrases. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he keeps talking about having his sunshine taken away. But he, so he, he doesn't get to propose to her. And then... You know, his friend uh, Daredevil Dan says, don't worry, you know, you can propose tomorrow or whatever. And then... And could we just say as well, Daredevil Dan, interesting character. So he's a very freaky looking squirrel thing with a, a weird, fucking weird little face. Um, but they've kind of given him quite um, almost like weird, outdated, um, black stereotype lines for Wayne Brady to deliver. And the whole thing just feels a bit sort of jingoistic and his voice strangely old school. Also doesn't sound a lot like Wayne Brady. Like it's like they've modified mm. the, the pitch or something. I mean, we've got to talk about the grab bag of vocal talent that they have, uh, <laughs> you know, sewn together for this film. You've got Charlie Sheen. I mean, I don't know the production mm. timeline because apparently what I have here on IMDb is not entirely accurate. I don't know if this is uh, pre or post sort of, you know, the Charlie Sheen that we know today. Hilary Duff, probably still at the height or, you know, on the waning end of her powers as uh, Lizzie McGuire before she sort of decided to take a step back from the spotlight. Eva Longoria, who I'm pretty sure was still having a moment via Desperate Housewives and a few rom-com roles. Wayne Brady, Christopher Lloyd, plays someone called Mr. Clipboard. Chris Kattan, Mm. uh, Mm. Jerry Stiller. 
and a, a few others along the way. This is a pretty star-studded cast. And while I don't yeah, think is. any single person at the time that it was made had superstar status, you've got a lot of like B-plus superstars coming together for a movie that purportedly cost $60 million to make. And boy, oh boy, it could not look like it cost less. So I want to um, quickly just sort of brush over the rest of this plot and world so we can get into some other aspects here. So um, firstly, and this doesn't seem super relevant to the plot, but Dex owns a club which is just opened, I think. They're having a massive opening because you get this big sweeping shot of throngs of people, millions who have turned out at a red carpet event. He's in there. Um, the place is heaving. It's all going off. And at this point, Sunshine is gone out of his life, um, presumably dead. And uh, this is when we get the introduction of it. And by the way, so this world is populated by all these tiny, weird-looking creatures that are called Ikes, which they never fully explain. But I, what they are are mascots yeah. for the brands in the supermarket. Yeah, it is... <laughs> honestly so mind-boggling like at the also there's like a few song and dance numbers and yeah. like when you enter the club everyone's doing this weird dance which is not rhythmically or stylistically related to the song which is playing which i think was marvin gay <laughs> this is just the whole thing could not make less sense the tagline is a story of what happens when good food goes bad which, the plot is impervious to the human mind. You cannot get in on it. You, it, it is it is conceived of a set of circumstances where I'm like, I'm so delighted and excited that this thing exists. I'm going to watch this again, maybe like tomorrow, because I'm so fucking fascinated by this 90-minute spectacle and how it came to pass. It is unbelievable that this thing exists on the same timeline as me. It is fucking crazy. Well, uh, <laughs> so all the Ikes, right, which is short for icons, which is mentioned once in the movie in passing. So you really got to listen to catch that nugget. The Ikes are, are kind of all united. They're in a supermarket, which sort of doesn't make any sense because you often see the sky and there's streets and buildings at times. But then at other times they are in a supermarket, which you can see the aisles and humans rushing around. Um, the main thrust of the story is that this mystery woman, uh, is her name Lady X? <laughs> Do you know, Eva Longoria? Yeah. The thing that's yeah. so crazy, right, is you expect a movie like this that does, you know, that sort of has all these moving parts which almost sync up perfectly to tell a story but don't quite. Like, I can understand mm. how a movie would be made like that or like this uh, if you shot a film and then, like, you just cobbled together the footage you have. Yes. But because exactly it's, because it's animated and they every frame <laughs> of this was designed by someone. This was put together. I just don't understand how that's possible. That this everything is, this is, is every every frame and every shot and every editorial decision is deliberate in the sense that an animated film must be. But it, yes. honestly, it smacks of people in high school who are trying to tell a story for the first time. I can't yeah. put these two bits of information together in my mind right now this is why i'm so thrilled that this thing exists and i showed zoe a little bit of it this morning because i was just telling her about it she's like that sounds pretty wild i was like i've got to show you some of this movie and she's like what is this angle because you get these shots where you're just it's like a camera has been left yeah. on the ground pointed up accidentally <laughs> and it's recording but it's compute the entire thing is cgi so everything is intentional. Everything has been picked by a human making this film. So the the main cut and thrust of the movie is Lady X comes along, who's this um, bizarrely sexual character, considering I'm pretty confident this was intended for kids. There's, there's two audiences for these kind of movies, and it's kids or stoners. If you got high and watched this, you would not sleep for a week. Because of the kind of visual aspect of it and just <laughs> yeah. trying to grab the story and not being able to latch on. So she comes in, throws herself at Dex. Dex says, no, I've um, I've got a broken heart from sunshine being gone. I'll never recover sort of thing. She says, that's fine. She ends up taking over the town and then there is no shit, like a 50-minute war. That is <laughs> mo that's the bulk of the film. 
And what it is is Lady X is actually, and I, I shit you not, an Adolf Hitler character. Um, there's a lot of visual nods to Nazism in the film, and her um, the the X brand. Oh no, sorry, it's called Brand X. It's like this conglomerate um, brand of products, thirty strong. She mentions which is taking over the supermarket, and their whole thing is like being plain and low cost. And they've all got like Nazi style um, dress on. Uh, the building that she resides in has the Third Reich eagle. It's fucking crazy that this shit is in the movie. And uh, yeah, and, and then you're treated to like a 50 minute war. And then it turns out that Sunshine has been kidnapped and she's alive the whole time. But like, I just uh, I just wanted to kind of get the plot out of the way, guys, so we can dig into whatever we want. Are you satisfied that you have uh, now, you know, to the... Uh, to the highest degree, communicated the plot of this film for those at home who might not have watched along. Um, like, would you recommend people watch this there? film before listening to this? Yes, everyone must. If you if you like enjoy our kind of shit, find a way to obtain this film. It will blow your fucking mind. I couldn't recommend watching it highly enough. It is 90 minutes almost to the second, which tells me that they had a contractual obligation to make it across the finish line of an hour and a half. It, I really did notice that on the file. Yeah, <coughs> it is honestly one of the most uh, eye-catchingly disgusting bits of animation uh, yes. <laughs> that I have ever seen. It almost plays like, you know, sometimes... Uh, on YouTube, someone reappropriates, you know, footage from a Japanese like three uh, D animated animation, and yeah. uh, they I don't know if they put like if they put English voiceovers over it or whatever, but it almost feels like someone has stumbled across like a, a huge bank or reservoir of footage, you know, featuring the same characters, and uh, just had one crack at voicing it over and trying to mold it into some sort of story. The character, yeah. the X, the sort of I, I uh, not not Eva Longoria's character, Lady X, but the guy is it General X or the guy? Oh, who knows the lizard thing? No, no, no. The guy who comes into the supermarket who turns out to be a robot. That uh, that that's Eva Mr. Lo- Clipboard. That's Mr. Clipboard. They that- never say his name because I saw the character model because they've done something super weird to his voice and he doesn't have a lot of actual human the way, words. Well, more importantly, but- the, the way that he walks is yes. harrowing and will stay with anyone who sees it for hours, if not days afterwards. There's, um, I, if you can hear me typing, it's because I'm trying to... There's a game, uh, Octodad deadliest catch if you've seen any videos of that it's that same sort of ragdoll physics approach where you just make a character model and then just let the limbs go fucking hog wild (laughs) yeah yeah. that's how he moves around but he does look like a interdimensional um uh sort of like a um like an a lovecraftian version of christopher lloyd like a really terrifying yeah next dimension christopher lloyd just just kind of mopesing around and he's human sized which is giant to these ikes but confusingly in the world that the ikes reside in there are also humans as background characters that are the same size as them who clearly aren't fellow icons i think that was an example of the movie wanting to keep its options open in terms of decisions that they hadn't made and again this feels like on the day of shooting but it just feels like that they had like a a hard deadline that they all worked towards and so a lot of people just went away and sort of made small bits or frames of the movie it's i'm i'm itching to talk to you about the production but i just i just want to hold off till we've covered at the other bases first so just to speak more to try and put a picture in your mind dear listener about the visual style of this um playstation one uh cinematic cutscene is what my mind went to when it when the movie first kicked off i was like when did this movie come out 2002 maybe 2003 no no 2012 (coughs) it defies belief it's it's just so but what did it get a cinema release i don't think it i 
Uh, it got a very, it says here, described the film had a low-key release being direct uh, to video in most territories. Though I do note when I tried to look up the um, release date uh, previously, it gave me the date for Russia. So I assume it came out in Russia first, <laughs> which makes sense to me. Um, this thing, uh, how I have to kind of get into it visually. If you've ever seen Vaporwave videos online uh, of like, um, sort of bedroom animators and there are a few shortcuts that you use when you're first getting into animation like gridded floors to give you depth uh, sort of simplistic character models but with ragdoll physics and it all adds up to just give a very hyper unnatural just real fucking crazy look to it which I am a fan of but there's a lot of physics stuff that doesn't make sense it looks like it hasn't been fully rendered like this is the pre version of the film before they've done the final export and all the animation well, software you know it, it sure does and i feel like you are sitting on a bank of information that might go some ways to explaining how exactly this came to pass because at your request and insistence i resisted the urge to do any research into the actual making of i mean we're talking about a movie that has a 60 million dollar 65 million dollar mm, budget 65 you got it um I, Guy, what if i told you what if i told you and first of all i'm on the wikipedia page now and the uh what they've got is the poster doesn't feature any of the characters in the film in the foreground there is a shark and a duck and what looks like a cowboy twizzler riding a shopping trolley that's not in the movie whatsoever that is the poster for this thing uh, so what if I told you Guy Montgomery that this film was supposed to come out in 2003 for Christmas? <laughs> I mean, I would say, uh, that in a weird way that makes some sense. This is how Wikipedia, uh, puts it. The film was originally scheduled for a Christmas 2003 theatrical release. However, this failed to materialize and later planned release dates were also missed. Eventually, the producers defaulted on a loan. In September 2001, creditors auctioned off the film's assets and all associated rights. In 2012, the film had a low-key release being direct-to-video in most territories. So here's what happened. <coughs> the maker of this film is a director. Um, he's actually predominantly in his previous career, or, or his, you know, his film career, um, a producer. His name is Lawrence Kazanoff. And he is responsible for bringing us the Mortal Kombat franchise to the silver screen. Uh, Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Um, he worked as some sort of like associate producer on Terminator 2. And he is also currently working on a project to turn Tetris, a game that demonstrably has no plot, into a trilogy of films. <laughs> this is a guy who takes a franchise that doesn't have any characters and turns that into three pitches. So, first of all, just a little heads up on who we're dealing with here. That's Lawrence. Lawrence managed to put this idea together with a friend of his. I believe they also wrote the script together. Yeah, here we go. Story by uh, Lawrence Kazanoff and Joshua Wexler. They put this thing together in the early 2000s. They get a huge amount of investments. <coughs> film producers investors they they throw their money into this thing um not only that but because of the nature of the story that it's all set in a supermarket uh they got a whole bunch of brand tie-ins to this film which when it came out got a lot of criticism and lawrence's reaction to that to the criticism was don't worry they didn't actually pay us any money so it's not it's not it doesn't count as like a, a brand consideration what we had is a whole bunch of contra deals where they were going to cross promote the movie in exchange for having their brand involved so his answer was don't worry we're so bad at financing movies that this doesn't count as like horrible advertising towards kids because we didn't get the money for it so anyway he created the concept in 1999 this thing has uh, quite a long gestation period. They start building it. Um, it misses a succession of deadlines, one after another. The thing just cannot be built. I think part of this is the rate of change that technology was going at during that time, um, particularly in, in animation. But it, a lot of it's just got to be ineptitude. I mean, when did Toy Story come out? 90... It was the 90s, wasn't it? 1995. Yeah, there you go. And that thing looks 
immaculate. So here's what happened. In uh, late 2002, bearing in mind this is supposed to come out in Christmas 2003, Kazanov reported that the hard drives containing unfinished assets from the film got stolen in an act of industrial espionage. I do not believe that for one fucking second. I think this guy was sitting on what he knew was an absolute dinger and tried to pull insurance fraud, and it did not work. So after... um, I don't know at what point they had done all the voices, but I assume it must have been the first thing that they did so they could animate around that. Is that, like, would that make sense to you guys? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know the order of events. I, I think you, you're given... Uh, oh, shit. I mean, this is a good question because I feel like to, to give the best possible vocal performance, you must be performing over models at least of, you know, the action. Right, so that you're can, right match the emotion of what you're saying to uh you know the action that the characters are giving uh but you don't lock off the visuals entirely because then you can yeah adapt to the vocal performance Could but be right i i mean it doesn't seem to matter what order things are meant to be done in because this this movie appears to defy every ordinary bit of protocol like it, it, it genuinely the line between the way it's it, it, it reads as though it's a film, like a film with live performances. I I I just can't imagine what it's like to spend a day in Lawrence Kasanoff's brain. Mm. Like he, so I mean, he's created he must have a whole raft of companies under him this for different. Must this didn't slow him down. The most stressful experience. I'm just thinking as someone who wants yeah. to even put together a competent film to just show that you can yeah. put together a story. Yeah, this I would have you. been the most like exhausting and anxious twelve years of his life, as he's like constantly under the weight and cloud of this just unwieldy monster that he keeps adding to in the hopes it will make more sense. But it just becomes more and more. It's a real house of cards. I did take the liberty of doing quite a bit of research into Lawrence before we jumped on the mic, and his IMDb is populated with just so many credits, and then you get to Food Fight, and there is a bit of a stall for a few years while he is trying to figure this one out. Uh, If you go to his website, which it looks like, I mean... It is, if you want to see what the internet looked like in 1998, go to Larry Kazanoff, Uh He is a madman. He's an absolute madman, but it's got all his credits on there. I don't often do this, guy. I, I'm loath to do this, but there's no better way I could put it. I just want to read you a paragraph from Wikipedia again. Yeah, yeah, of course. This is under the production heading. Lionsgate established a distribution deal and the financing company story arc, and that's uh, one that Lawrence started i think just to finance this film represented investors who gave 20 million dollars in funding to threshold which is the comp- uh, another company in 2005 due to the lionsgate deal the celebrity voice actors and the product tie-ins a release date in 2005 was later announced but missed another distribution deal was struck in 07 but nothing came of it Lionsgate had a negative reaction to the delays. The investors had grown impatient due to the film production company defaulting on secured promissory notes and the release dates that were not met. Finally, in 2011, the film was auctioned for $2.5 million. Story Arc investors had ultimately invoked a clause in their contract that allowed the Fireman's Fund Insurance Company, which had insured Food Fight, to complete and release the film as inexpensively and quickly as possible. <laughs> so, I love the petulant uh, person who is driving that suit. It's just like, I don't give a fuck what it looks like. I'm, I'm going to see what this, this fuck it I'm going to see what the fuck Kazanoff has been doing behind closed doors for the last 10 years. Um, As a result of all of the product tie-ins that he had managed to negotiate, there was a bunch of merchandise that came out years before the movie was released. So there's all this random merch oh. that just came out into places like Walmart they had all these deals going. And it wasn't tied to any movie that fucking existed. It grossed approximately $20,000 of ticket sales in its opening weekend. (sighs) It was released on DVD in Europe in October of the year it came out, and it opened in June. So what's that, about four months, I think? 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, it is almost universally, in fact, I won't even say almost, it is universally considered the worst animated children's film ever released. Uh, that's according to a lot of prominent film uh, critics. I'm not... And- critique websites i'm not i'm looking i'm trying to find someone to buy merchandise right now i'm not going to argue with that assessment of uh the movie that was so fucked it's it is crazy that it exists it is just nuts and i i love the fact that um so if i'm reading this right if i'm understanding this correctly this film this animated film making a movie is hard making an entirely computer generated film in the early 2000s very tricky this film was completed by an insurance company (laughs) that's that's who put the finishing touches on this just staggering uh i can't seem to find anywhere to buy merchandise you can get a new copy of the dvd or blu-ray from off a dvd sorry from amazon prime for six dollars 86 if anyone wants to chuck a bit of money larry's way uh, on his website, though, I have seen that the the you know much talked about rumors and hype surrounding this Tetris trilogy mm. uh, date back to 2014. So I'll be damned if this guy isn't back <laughs> on his bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's anything to 2025, 2026 is uh, an exciting time to look forward to the potential release <laughs> of the first of and these will, films. It will probably resemble um, like. You know when a kid does that animation where you got a flick book, it'll look like that, but as a movie, uh, uh, displaying the story of Tetris in three ninety-minute parts. I've I've clicked onto the trivia page on IMDb now, Tim. Hit uh, me, and there's a few good things here. Um, not least of which is. Uh, Lawrence Kasnoff promoted the film by saying it would be his studio's Casablanca. Uh, many season <laughs> quotes are I a guess, clear reference to that movie. And I can also, understand what he's getting at because he has tried to dress his main character, the human dog, uh, voiced by none other than the Sheen Machine, as the main dude from Casablanca and of that era. And there's bits where it does devolve into um, an attempt at an homage to film noir. Like there's that kind of um, inner monologue narration about what is the line? Of all the of all the uh, of all the dairy aisles and all the supermarkets in the world, she had to come to mine. You know, so it's yeah, heavy. Yeah. It's there. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, there's also <laughs> there's some really good trivia on here. Uh, so there's apparently a trailer made in 2002 before the original animations were stolen that is available online. Um, 
in addition to that, Tim, I'd like to give you two bits of information back to back. Yes. The first of which is Lawrence Kasanoff declared his company the new Pixar and meant for this movie to start a huge media empire. <laughs> <laughs> Numerous uh, merchandise tie-ins were planned, including a food fight on Ice Show. The second piece of trivia I'd like to share is many animators reportedly refused to list this film on their resumes. Fair a fucking enough. That I would... I would like sue someone for defamation if they attached me to the film. Even if it was true, I would tr- still give that lawsuit a go. There's also a little bit of background on uh, the the unique uh, animation style. The creators intended to animate the film in a very cartoonish, squash and squ- stretch style. Yes. Like the classic yes. Looney Tunes. But I after the hard drives this. were stolen, they yeah. decided to change to motion capture. Yes. And then this is a great paragraph. It's well written. It says, The very primitive method used in the film resulted in a noticeably choppy animation and left many characters with extremely limited facial expressions and barely emoting eyes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's very true. So what happened there, because I was reading about this as well, he, di- he, he changed the style of animation that was going to happen halfway through production. I didn't realize it was tied to the point where the hard drives got stolen. I do not believe for a second those hard drives were stolen, by the way. When I say that, Fucking just imagine me doing some big old Timbo sized air quotes. So when the hard drives got stolen. So he didn't, um, so far as I've read about the history and production of this film, didn't properly communicate that to the animators. So they were really working off two books here. And motion capture is, um, <laughs> I think if you do it right, it's it's reasonably expensive, especially back then. Like it was a, a, a pretty tricky process. But what you end up with in this film is. Part of the reason it, it, I, I keep saying the word nightmare is because the character models are incredibly simplistic, but the physics are surprisingly complex. <laughs> so you've got scenes where Wayne Brady's character, um, what is his name? Danger Dan? The squirrel thing? Yeah, something like that. So he, as they've mentioned, the eyes don't really move, the, the mouth has very um, sort of limited movement while he's talking and stuff. But he, there's one scene in particular I'm thinking in the middle of the movie where they're talking and he's constantly in motion. Like he, he, his, his feet are moving around. He's just kind of like running on the spot for no reason in the middle of a conversation. And I can only imagine that the, um, I don't know, the motion capture artist was just trying to throw some things around and then they didn't get like a proper scene of him just standing there. So they had to kind of supplant that onto the character model. It's so cool and weird. It yeah. is not for kids though. I cannot stress this enough do not let children see this film for so many reasons number one visually terrifying number two the hypersexualization of these characters and the confusion around interspecies sex the implication is is heavy and frankly has no place being in any movie let alone one intended for children I think that's less likely to cause problems for the kids. I think the kid, what's really going to stress out a, a child watching this is the animation is unlike anything uh, that I've, I think I've seen. I imagine that any of them have seen. Like it is what I think, <laughs> you know, a rendering of a child's nightmare of an animated mm. show might look like. Um, and while it did remind while, me a little bit of reboot the old TV show reboot, if, if anyone's seen that, which was the first entirely computer-generated TV series ever made. It was very good. It was set inside of a computer, but it was um, a kind of was reminiscent of that, but uh, way less well done. Well, Tim, you'll be interested to hear, I've stumbled into a subreddit, uh, which is oh. unresol- Unresolved Mysteries. Mm-hmm. And uh, seven months ago, a user posted a discussion under the banner... Who stole the worst animated film ever made? Uh, mm. And this is the the user's second unresolved mystery write up. Um, and this thing has got <laughs> so much heat. The uh, you know, if 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 you, I think if if anyone really wants to dig into you know people, give us some details, committed. guy. Come on, give us the juicy dates. What's in there? Why well, are there I, any? Inferences of uh, it truly being stolen and an act of industrial sabotage or insurance fraud or what? Uh, well, there's literally so much information about it. I I I don't know where to begin. Uh, I just think you should you should visit it if you look up 
Uh, unresolved mysteries. I, you can hear me typing right now. What is that? Who stole the worst animated movie of all time? Because if you refuse Anima- to share some of these details, guy, I will be forced to read this and share them. Is this from February twenty sixth? Uh, seven months ago. That sounds about right. Food Fight was actually in production for a decade. Originally slated for a Christmas 03 release, the large amount of money was put into licensing all the characters and products, brackets. It wasn't a case of being one product placement. They actually had to pay for the right to use the characters. Production was underway and early release models were drawing buzz. Threshold Animation Studios, the studio behind Food Fight, was actually once called the next Pixar. You can't just say that if it's the guy's company who quoted that. You know what I mean? Some say Guy Montgomery is the greatest living comedian. Who says that? Guy Montgomery does. You can't put that on a poster. Um, so what, what's the top comment here? While I wish I had more evidence for it, I believe Food Fight to be part of a money laundering scheme. Yes, my kind of fucking shit on Reddit. There are many ways to. Uh, there are many ways a film production could be used as a way to launder money, and the loss of a uh, mystical finished draft is an easy way to do so because there is no proof. Such a draft was fully completed. I did have a list of sources that point to this, but I'm at work right now, so we'll have to get back to you later. Love that energy. I watched an interview, Guy, with Lawrence. Yeah. It was on South African TV. He was in Cape Town promoting, uh, I don't know, another film of his, and he was talking about Mortal Kombat, and he said um, he played the game for the first time on the arcade and approached the guy who held the rights for Mortal Kombat, and he said... Uh, if you give me the rights to this, I will create this product in every cultural medium there is. I will put it on TV, in movies, and on stage. And he did. And now he brags about the fact that, uh, and rightly so, there's $5 billion of stuff associated with Mortal Kombat. Like the gross retail value of all of the things that are Mortal Kombat without being the video games is $5 billion. This guy's... He's got big dick energy. Yeah, he's got he's got ambition. And it sounds like he doesn't have control over when he executes, but you know, that's not his problem necessarily. Unless uh, he does, you know? I don't think he ever intended for this to come out. Let me yeah, say that. I, I I'm on a different uh I'm on a hyperlink from that subreddit and it says here yeah, it sort of gets the thrust of the mystery and it says, So who stole the drives? What industrial espionage took place? It must have been serious. Because this kind of thing literally never happens. Movie assets are backed up and the security is tight. You can't just walk <laughs> out with that entire movie on a single hard drive. That's sort of, yeah, that, that's true. Although I will point to, I'm pretty sure it was Toy Story 2 where they accidentally wiped the entire film and had to start from a woman who just happened to bring a hard drive um, with a recent backup home with her so she could work from home. I'm pretty sure that's Toy Story 2. So, you know, to say that it's never happened, it, this isn't without precedent. Um, this is so crazy. He was working with the big dogs, Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble, to to license these uh, characters. If he was successful in this, let me say this, it would have been a dangerous film, you know, because it's... It, it's basically just a big ad for products that you would find in a supermarket directed at kids. So there's Larry just trying to make as much money as possible by ramming promotional considerations down your fucking throat. This is the kind of thing that those, those big um, Johnson and Johnson, Procter and Gamble, those sorts of corporations, they have wet dreams about. They're like, you're going to make a motion picture which is going to have like merchandising and stuff that's just around our stupid mascots for our products yes sign me the hell up there was a food fight on ice planned guy webisodes storybooks plush toys everything there is a 2013 listing from an ebay auction for a plush dex detective but sadly it doesn't feature a picture and the listing is now expired dang it i think that you know, the power of cult and the internet will drive up uh, the price of these products if it hasn't already happened. I mean, I would kill for some of this hellish merchandise. Even a beautiful high-rendered poster of yeah. the cinematic release, 
Um, Actually, yeah, that would be a good addition to the studio in here. I'm going to try and find that. Um, yeah, I will buy that for in here. That'd be great. I've also got here a um, <laughs> an old Food Fight promotional website from Web Archive. Really? Uh, How's it look? It's just booting up. Oh. <laughs> uh, it looks like it was made a long, long time ago. It's Can you send me a link or describe it in glorious detail for me? Describe uh, it in high it's, def. It's using the latest anima- online animation and website building techniques available in the year 2008. So there's a sort of small video that you're showing through that uh, describes the basic setup and premise of the film, then takes you to like a shot of a sort of New York Broadway Times Square type shot with decks looking very dapper in it. Uh, And then I'm through to the main part with the tagline now. It says, a new computer animated movie splatting to a theater near you, fall 2007. So they've made this a full four to five years after the original release date. And they still had to wait another five years Get ready for a tale of what happens when good food goes bad. We've then got various different materials. You've got production, partners, studio, cast, and quite excitingly, story. So this is the official story as described by the website that was made for the film in the year 2007-2008. Food fight takes place in the supermarket at night when the it's all in comic sans. Food fight takes place in the supermarket at night when the lights go out and all the people leave. Then, magically, the grocery store transforms into a city. The boxes become buildings. The aisles turn into streets. The Chinese food aisle becomes Chinatown. The Italian food aisle becoming Venice, and so on. This sounds like a pitch document. (laughs) And it also sounds like they just watched Toy Story while drunk. Yeah. Uh, then out from every door of this Marketropolis comes two types of characters. Ones you already know. Some of the most famous characters in the world, like Mr. Clean, Charlie the Tuna, the Energizer Bunny, and more. And ones you're going to meet, the actual stars of the movie. These include Dick's Dog Detective, Charlie Sheen, the super sleuth and head of the USDA, United Supermarket Defense Association, Daredevil. Oh, that's who uh, D- Dick's Dog Detective is. Wait, what, punk- can you, what's the acronym again? The US what? DA, United Supermarket Defense Association. Because they, the USDA, I'm pretty sure, is the United States Drug Administration. Like that's a re- It's weird that they settled on that because that's a real foundation with an acronym. That's a real organization. But anyway, uh, it did confuse me when he was behind the stage of something that said the USDA. I was like, okay, weird. The, uh, you've also got Daredevil Dan, Wayne Brady, the world's worst flying squirrel stuntman, the sweet and lovable sunshine goodness, Hilary Duff, and the villainous and seductive Lady X, Eva Longoria. They all hang out at the Copa Banana, the hottest nightclub in town, in the produce section, of course. However, all's well until Brand X moves into town and its evil Lady X and her minions try to take over. The only way to stop them is, yes, a food fight. In this tale of what happens when good food goes bad, follow the epic adventures of the new supermarket heroes, Dex Dog, Detective, and Daredevil Dan. Join them and others as they wage battle against the evil Brand X for control of the store and perhaps the world. I'm going to send you the link to this website. Thank you so much. I'd really appreciate that. And that will be a hyperlink in this episode description. Uh, If I've forgotten to leave that out, please Google this on your own but i will be sure to um try and put that in here's what i can't wrap my head around even in the best case scenario <laughs> the url contains uh the word flash.html which scares the shit out of me because that is a web standard that hasn't been used for some time i don't even know if this will run it yeah i literally have to click a dialog box that says enable flash and then chrome comes up with a warning box <laughs> saying are you sure you want to run flash this may crash the browser um which is terrifying because we're actually recording through the browser at the moment so hopefully it stacks up holy fuck yes (laughs) animated intro oh yes 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 this is right up there with the space jam website which still exists to this day folks you're in for a real treat um here's what i can't wrap my head around best case scenario this film looks good you got these big stars 
um, let's say the script got another going over, the central plot, the entire story of this film is centered around a battle between different supermarket brands of products. Like the whole point of this story existing, the, the whole narrative of this movie is just around brand mascots. That is the sickest. It's like society has gone rotten to its core that that is a children's film. That is so fucked to me in such a deep level. Well, I don't know, Tim. We're out of time, but... We're not out of time. I refuse to stop talking about this movie. IBM threw in their technological prowess to this film. I was reading about it. They were using cutting-edge technology. I'm assuming probably in the first draft where the hard drives got stolen because there's no way anything we saw in the finished product um, was cutting-edge. It says here on the website... Thanks to Threshold's unique technology alliance with IBM, which gives us access to the unlimited power of IBM On Demand Center, we've been able to improve the animation process and provide more creative control to both our director and performers. That this this should have been something else, you know? I don't know that it should have. I feel like, you know, this guy Kasanoff is a hype man. He sells dreams and then does you know, and then does the least amount to deliver an approximation of what he's sold. And, you know, whereas with Mortal Kombat, he kind of executed. This is one of the instances where he didn't pull it off. But that's fine. On to the next enterprise. I'll buy Tetris. I mean, this entire thing is clearly a fucking disaster. The guy genuinely pretended that a hard drive containing files that were the building blocks of the movie got stolen. It's There's crazy. A, our friends, the McElroys... Uh, or well, Justin and Griff, they do, I call them Griff, I don't think I'm allowed to, Griffin, <clears throat> have a series called Monster Factory on YouTube where they select usually RPG games that have a character model creation tool built in so you can like, you know, make your own character look the way you want it to look and just try to create the most horrifying um, version of a character that the game engine will allow. And the way that they've made Christopher Lloyd in this movie, Mr. Clipboard, is so, like, straight out of Monster Factory. Bulbous eyes that look in different directions, a disfigured head, a bulbous disproportionate uh, chin, real crazy unhuman hair, but still distinctively Christopher Lloyd, to the point where you can tell it's Christopher Lloyd even without hearing the voice. In fact, if anything, the voice will throw you because they've done some weird thing to his voice. But and there's the... another thing I noticed. Sorry, I will let you come in, but I just want to say, when you were like listening to this movie, did you notice that some of these characters have been voiced on very different and very worse microphones? Yeah, but it, that matches perfectly with the visuals, you know? Like, it would have been more jarring if there was one track of perfect audio throughout the whole film. <laughs> Uh, but the, I was just going to say, to the credit of the filmmakers, it is revealed that uh, Christopher Lloyd's character, whatever his name is, is... Mr. Clipboard. Mr. Clipboard, yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, is a robot designed by Lady X, y- you know, yes. uh, by proxy. She's That's the way in which she starts getting these product X, this product X into the supermarket. Because um, mm. I mean, there's a whole thing in the middle of the film about product recalls. That is their version of dying. Uh, so there's some concept of like a, a power on high, a head office, where you put some paperwork in and your product gets recalled. And for these Ikes, these mascots, that is the end of the road for you. That is your death. It's so crazy. The world building in this is throws so many big concepts and ideas out there without giving proper parameters on where it starts and ends that you just can't get any semblance of what is happening? Well, I'm, I'm going to finish this compliment, which is they could have conceivably made Christopher Lloyd's animation so confusing and herky-jerky and terrifying because they wanted to denote he could be a robot. You know, That was the True. best technology that Eva Longoria's character had on hand to develop a robot. And if that's what they did, that's a fine thing to do. I actually think you're probably right about that because the fact that he's a robot is uh, very out of left field, just sort of thrown in at the end. So I suspect that uh, they got the animation models back, 
you know, partway through, saw what they were dealing with, and they were like, holy shit. <laughs> We've got to have some reason for this one. Oh, you know, wow. Some part of this. That, what so have you, you found? Well, I'm just thinking that means that you're not, you're, you're giving credit in reverse, whereas I thought yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're, they're, they're going to know he's a robot, so they'll make him walk weird, so that it's like for anyone who's super switched on and on the level, like who's taken just the right amount of hallucinogens, they can call it mm. and see that coming. But you think it's like, in hindsight, they were like, well, that is so fucked. We need to be able to explain it. What's the most efficient way of doing that? He's a robot. Yeah. Bang. Put it in I, at the end. I think so many aspects of this film and the production of it were beyond any kind of saving. But they took a look at that Christopher Lloyd movement and they were like, good God, there needs to be some sort of recompense for this. There needs to be some justification um, for this horrible movement of this man in the supermarket. And I, 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 yeah, I think they engineered that for the ending. Um, I'd just like to do a little roll off of the partners involved <clears throat> who were featured prominently on the website, as, as Guy mentioned, published in 1990. What was it? Uh, Two, no, sorry, 2006? 2007. 2007. Uh, we, got, we got big hitters. We got Cadbury Schweppes. We've got uh, Energizer. We've got Procter & Gamble. We've got Take-Two Interactive, um, who have made a lot of pretty good games and some shit ones. We've got Tootsie Roll involved, folks. Uh, IBM is listed here officially as well. Hormel Foods. There are a lot of brands that I didn't recognize, but I have a feeling are like the biggest brands in America. A lot of these mascots I, I didn't know because I didn't grow up watching TV ads for American brands. Uh, Starkist, Nanco. Con Agra Food, Del Monte Quality, something called Little Milk, and Farmland Dairies. Big hitters. Big, huge checkbooks. And then for Larry to come back and say, don't worry, we didn't get any money off them for the film, so this doesn't count as us advertising to your children through the medium of motion picture. I mean, you've failed on every front. You've done an evil thing for no personal gain for yourself, my man. It, it doesn't justify what you've done. Uh, I love this uh, movie. I love this movie so much. Under the studio, this, I mean, this this website is a bounty of treats, and I genuinely am telling you that I <laughs> I have to go soon, but I do want to read this. Uh, Food Fight's the first full-length digitally animated feature film from Threshold Animation Studios. Threshold is one of the most advanced digital entertainment companies in the world. Through a revolutionary technology alliance with the IBM Corporation, Food Fight will be epic in scale, and this is the best part, looking like no other computer animated film before it. It's true. Inarguable. It's true. With Mm. thousands and thousands of characters battling for supermarket supremacy and the biggest food fight ever put on film. Uh, You better duck when they launch the cream pies. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which used a similar sort of idea for what is quite a lot of visual fun, which is seeing giant food, you know, wreak havoc on uh, anthropomorphic characters, or in, in the case of that film, human characters, uh, came along, like, existed, its entire life was shorter than the production process of this mm. film. And that movie was a lot of fun. And then the BoJack Horseman thing I was referencing earlier was like, the characters are, are fast talking and they do try and pack quite a lot of gags in. Like they put gags on yeah. signs in the background. Like this movie is not without uh, commendable ambition, but it is also yeah. uh, a disaster. I I absolutely loved this movie. I was enthralled with it. And I think everyone should watch it. Uh, that's, that's my review. Yeah, look, uh, do what you will. It's... Um, it's fucking crazy. Thus concludes uh, our Patreon watch of Food Fight. And I cannot thank enough the people who voted us to watch that movie. Uh, you are you are the real heroes here. And I can't wait for the Tetris trilogy. Hot diggity dog. Thank you very much for joining us. If you'd like to contribute to Patreon, go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N slash T-W-I-O-A-T. It's just patreon.com slash worst idea of all time, but it's the acronym. You, you guys get it. And uh, we live on there. If you give $5 a month, you will be the first people in the world to hear these episodes. And you will um, occasionally get some content that's just for you guys, for no one else. No one else gets it, just for you. Uh, if you are giving us $10 or more a month, 
you'll be part of the Deciders Club, which get to make the decisions like these that deliver us these absolute gems. And once again, Deciders Club, you've outdone yourself. I'm so grateful for you delivering this gem to me. Uh, I'm, I'm going to rush out and watch the movie again and buy all the merchandise I can find. Guy Montgomery, thank you very much for joining me on this journey. Uh, it's honestly uh, my pleasure. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.